Now, if you're new with us, uh, let me give you a recap of where we've been so far in this series, and then we're going to dive in to today's message. So in week number one, we talked about the unhealthy expectations that we have of marriage. And we learned that when our expectations aren't met, our relationships drift into a set of demands that we make on each other. So we say, listen, you haven't met my expectations, and so you owe me. And our relationships start looking like contracts where I'll do my part, but only after you have done your part. And then we learned that that's not what God came up with. That's not the idea that God had when he came up with the marriage relationship. We learned that in week two, that God came up with marriage to be a covenant relationship, which is the deepest of all agreements between two people. And God says he wants us to live up to our end of the covenant the way that he lives up to his end of the covenant with us. Now, today we're going to dive deeper into God's expectations in that covenant agreement that we make on our weddings day. And we are going to spend all of our time today in Ephesians chapter five. And if you're not familiar with Ephesians, let me tell you a little bit about that. And then we're going to start in Ephesians chapter five, verse 21. Now, uh, Ephesians is a letter that is written by a guy by the name of Paul. And he wrote this letter to a group of Christians living in the city of Ephesus. So Paul had, had been there for three years, investing time in these Christians in this city. And so Paul writes this letter at, really as a letter of encouragement to them. He has some very fond things to say to them, some things he wants to remind them of. And then at, in chapter five, he shifts and starts talking about marriage. So after a warm greeting in chapter one, Paul says, hey, let me remind all of us. And if you're a Christ follower, Paul was talking to you today as well. So let me remind all of us that God has showered all of us with many spiritual blessings. And then in chapter two, he says, uh, let me remind you as well that if you're a believer in Jesus, you have new life that is made available to you through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then in chapter three, he talks about God's mysterious plan of offering salvation or eternal life to both Jews and Gentiles, which was a profound thought in, in that day. In that day, the Jews said the message of, of God is only for us. And then Paul comes along and says, no, Jesus opened the door so that this message of eternal life is now available to everyone, including Gentiles. In chapter four, Paul talks about the unity that we should experience in the body of Christ, that we should be unified. Unity is so incredibly important to God. And then in chapter five, Paul starts by saying, hey, here's a really important thing. If you're gonna claim to be a Christ follower, you should actually live like Christ. Like when people in the world see you and watch how you work and how you live and how you interact with people, they should actually see that you actually live the way that Jesus did. An important thing for all of us. After giving them some very specific instructions on that, he shifts to marriage. He says, listen, after all that I've said so far, here's what it should look like if you are married and you are a Christ follower. This is what your marriage relationship should look like. Now, here's what I ask this morning. Uh, I ask you to pay very close attention to the parts where Paul is talking to you. Okay, so pay attention to the stuff that applies to you in your role in the marriage. So if you are a man, pay attention to the parts that apply to husbands. If you are a woman, pay attention to the parts that apply to wives. And here's why. 
we usually take very close uh, notes. We pay very close attention to the stuff that doesn't apply to us, right? Why? Because I want to tell my wife how she's falling short of God's expectations for her. And wives often want to do that as well. So what God asks for all of us is pay attention to what you are responsible for. There's, There's verses in here. You don't have to pay attention to that. God's not talking to you. So let's, again, let's pay attention to what God is speaking directly to us about. Now we're going to start in verse 21. Verse 21 says, and further. So after all that Paul's already said, so it's in addition to that, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then Paul's going to spend the rest of this chapter explaining what submission looks like for both husbands and for wives. So ladies, we're going to start with you. Verse 22 says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. So ladies, Paul summarizes, says, listen, this is what it looks like, what you should do if you're married, if you're a Christ follower, you should submit to your husbands in everything. How are you doing at that? How are you doing at submitting to your husband in everything? Now, for many ladies, submission is the S word. Okay, it's, it's, an, it's another curse word. And I know because I have a wife and three daughters at home, and anytime the S word comes up, I hear this cat-like hissing sound. And and usually it's right, right behind my head. I, I feel something that goes really fast. And I understand that most women do not like the S word. And here's what many people think. Many women, sometimes men, think Paul is saying. They think Paul is saying, hey, women should force themselves to be like doormats at home. Well, women should have no opinion, no desires about anything. Just be mindless robots who cook and clean and do whatever her man wants. Is that what Paul's saying here? No, the lady said loudly. <laughs> if you didn't hear, listen again. They said, no. When I think about us reading passages like that and then how we define submission, images of an MMA match come to my mind. Okay, so you've got one wrestler trying to squeeze the life out of another wrestler and trying to get that other wrestler to submit and just quit and, and give in. So is that what Paul is saying? So is Paul saying, another no. Is Paul saying, hey, like if you have a marital conflict, what you should do is gear up for an MMA match. And then like whoever loses, they have to submit to their spouse. That may sound like fun sometimes, but again, that's not what Paul's saying. Again, he starts this conversation by saying, submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. And I think a great way to think about biblical submission is to think about some examples of it in the Bible and also to uh, think about this. Define it this way in your mind for a moment. Think about someone strongly supporting someone else. You may be interested to think about uh, Jesus himself in the context of submission. The Bible teaches that Jesus submitted himself to the leadership of God his Father. And I just can't imagine Jesus losing a wrestling match you know, out of that one. Uh, the Bible also teaches that Jesus submitted himself to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
And I just can't imagine the Holy Spirit having Jesus in a headlock and Jesus going, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do what you're asking me to do. The Bible actually teaches the practice of mutual submission between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the three strongly supporting each other. And guess what? That's the example that God gives us to follow. God says, that's what your marriage should look like. When we look at the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, I don't get an image of a doormat. I don't get an image of any one of them saying, well, I'll just do what what you want me to do. I don't want to do it, but I'm just going to do it, I guess, because you're forcing me to. I don't get that concept. God says that's not the concept. The model that we should follow in our marriages is to strongly support each other. So when I think about submission in those terms, it changes for me. It changes how I think about my role when I interact with my wife and what God wants me to do. God wants me to step up to her, with her, and say, I am going to strongly support you in the many roles that you have in our marriage. Now, here's something that uh, both men and women need to understand. When God looks at our marriages, the first person he sees is husbands. The person who holds, uh, he holds the most responsible for the condition of our marriages in our families is us men. The person who will stand before God and give an account for how we've treated our wives, how we've treated our kids, how we've led our families, how we've led ourselves is us. There are going to be conversations that are had between only God and a husband. That the wife won't be involved in that. There are conversations that God and I will have that Tammy won't be involved in. And I have to tell you, as a husband and as a father, uh, that's a very humbling thing to think about. I'm very humbled to think about some of the conversations that God and I are going to have. And there are moments that I'm ashamed of how I've led my family. There are moments I haven't led my family well. But I am so grateful for God's grace and mercy for those many moments that I screw up. And I'm so grateful that God has provided us the Holy Spirit to help teach us men how to lead our families well. So guys, don't take your leadership role lightly. And ladies, understand the spiritual pressure that is on a man. Understand that. And do everything that you can to strongly support your husband in the role that he has in your family. Okay, verse 25. Guys, it's your turn. Pay attention. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And we may ask, well, how did Christ love the church? Paul answers that in verse 26. He says, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. And then in verse 31, Paul reaches all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, the verse that we looked at last week that talks about the union between a man and a woman. And he says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. In verse 32, Paul acknowledges This is a great mystery, 
Like, I don't fully get it. I don't fully understand this, but here's what I do understand. This marriage is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. So the relationship that most models our relationship with God to the world is marriage. That's why God cares so much about marriage. That's why God cares so much about us getting this right. Our marriages represent him to an unbelieving world. What does your marriage represent to the world? Does it represent Christ? In verse 33, Paul summarizes everything he's been saying and he says this. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Now we're gonna spend the rest of our time just unpacking what that summary means. What does it look like for a husband to love his wife? You notice that Paul said something different to husbands and wives there. And what does it look like for wives to respect their husbands? Again, this is under the umbrella of mutual submission of strongly supporting each other. So we're gonna start with husbands. What does it mean for a husband to love his wife? Verse 26 gives us the first way that we can do that. It says that Jesus gave up his life for the church. He gave up his life. Jesus was willing to die and actually died for the church. And when when God is talking to us about that, men, I don't think that's just metaphorical. I think God wants us to actually be willing to die for our wives. I mean, actually willing to do that. Here's what that might mean. So if a bad guy breaks into your house and wants to harm your wife or your kids, I think God wants us to do everything we can to protect our families. I think the bad guy should have to go through your dead body and my dead body to harm our families. Now, I'm not the biggest guy around. I'm not the strongest guy around. I'm not the toughest guy around but I will do anything and everything I can to protect my family from someone who wants to hurt them. Now, I think most guys get that. Most of us have a little bit of that in us and we go, yeah, I'm in. You know, you wanna hurt my family? Watch out, I'll do everything I can to protect them, even if that means your life ends up uh, being ended shortly um, because I'm, I'm trying to protect my family. So guys, we get that, but again, that's a part of what it means to sacrifice for our families. Jesus modeled that so well when he died for us. But there's another part of sacrifice that we're gonna talk about, and it's actually gonna, talk, gonna seem a little bit harder than taking a bullet. And after you hear what we're gonna talk about, you might actually volunteer for the bullet. So, so hang in, guys, all right? We can do this, all right? It is possible. God is gonna empower us and help us with this. All right, so one of the primary ways that we can show love to our wives is to be emotionally connected with them. So to be emotionally connected with your wife. Your wife wants to feel emotionally close to you, not just physically close when you want to have sex, okay? She wants to know that you care about her, that you are emotionally interested in her. She wants to know that you understand her and probably more importantly, that you want to understand her. She also wants to know that you actually have emotions and that you're willing to share those emotions with her so that the two of you can connect on a deeper emotional level. Now, again, I know that that bullet is starting to sound really good right now. But guys, hang in there. The, the, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you if you're a Christ follower so we can learn how to be emotionally connected with our wives. Okay, a big part of that emotional connection for women involves being heard 
and being understood. So your wife wants to be heard. She wants to be understood by you. Now, here's what happens. Um, Most of us men are uh, Mr. Fix-It. Like, we like to fix things. And so when our wives start talking, we start fixing So anything and everything that comes out of her mouth, we think, hey, there's a whole bunch of things here that need to be fixed. There's relational problems that need to be fixed. There's financial problems that need to be fixed. There's work problems that need to be fixed. There's whatever problems that need to be fixed. And most often, when our wives are engaging with us in conversation, they do not want to be fixed. Right, ladies? Okay, I was wondering if you were here. All right, so guys, I'm going to say something, and I hope that this, this stays with you forever. I hope this burns in your brain. I hope it burns in my brain, okay? Your wife is not a problem to solve. She's a woman to love. Okay, your wife is not a problem to solve. She is a woman to love. Again, when our wives start talking, we start looking to fix things. I do this at my house. I do this with my daughters. And there are moments my daughters get so frustrated with me. And they say, Dad, I'm not asking you to fix anything. Just listen. And I so often forget that. So when I'm in tune to that, uh, my wife will start a conversation. Maybe my daughters will start a conversation. When I'm in tune to strongly supporting them, when I'm in tune to their desire for an emotional connection, one of the questions I'll ask is, what role do you want me to play in this conversation? That is so helpful to us. It's helpful to me. So I'll say, listen, do you want me to just listen? Do you want me to brainstorm? Do you want me to problem solve solutions? Like what role would be most helpful? And most often my wife says, just listen. She just wants me to listen. And that is so helpful to me. At the beginning of the conversation, I'm like, great, I understand my role. Now, guys, when your wife says, just listen, that means put the phone down, put the remote down, like close a newspaper, like look her in the eye and actually listen and hear what she has to say. Like she wants to know, like when she's talking, like you're following the story, you're engaged and she'd like feedback every once in a while, a little head nod, a little, "Uh uh-huh, I hear you. Oh, wow, that's interesting. You know, she wants to know that you're tracking. She wants to know that you're a part of this, that you're not just tuned out because she's telling another one of her stories. So listen, okay? Listen, really listen. Now, here's an interesting thing that that I found that happens in my relationship. Sometimes what my wife wants changes in the midst of our conversation. (laughs) Guys, you really got to pay attention, okay? Because it's mysterious, like Paul was saying. So my wife will be talking, and she'll shift from wanting me to listen to wanting me to brainstorm or to wanting me to problem solve something. And if I'm not paying attention, I'll miss it. And so I have to pay attention. And if I notice that, I'll ask again, hey, do you still want me to listen? Or is there another role that you would like me to play? And then sometimes Tammy go, yeah, um, I would like you to brainstorm some things. Like, I need some possible solutions. Like, what are just some ideas that you could throw out at me? And then other times, Tammy would say, you know what I really would like to hear? What would you do in my situation? In this specific spot that I'm in, what would you do? Not necessarily that I'm going to do that, but what would you do? And when I understand my role in the conversation, our conversations go much better. I'm a much better participant. I'm not a fixer, okay? And I can actually listen and be engaged in what she's saying. All right, guys, so got that? response would be great. Got it. Okay, there you go. See, I was looking to see if you were following and paying attention. Apparently you fell asleep. Okay. So another big way to strongly support our wives is to reassure them of our love. Okay. On a consistent basis, your wife wants to know that you love her and that you are committed to her. 
It's a regular basis, a regular thing that she wants to hear from you. Now, I often joke with Tammy about this, and I probably shouldn't joke with it about it as much as I do, but I often say, like, we need to tattoo the words, reassure me on your forehead. So every time I look at you, I understand what I'm supposed to do. I understand one of the greatest ways that I can support you is to reassure you of my love. And, and my wife wants that on a consistent basis. She wants to be reassured of my commitment to her. She wants to be reassured in her role as a mom, as a wife, in the amazing things she does for our family, in the amazing things she does for our church family. There are many ways for me to reassure my wife and strongly support her in the many things that she does. All right, so guys, in summary, learn how to emotionally connect with your wife Don't see her as a problem to fix, but a woman to love. Listen to her, really listen to her, and assure her of your love on a daily basis. All right, ladies, I know there's a lot more that we could talk about, um, and I'm relying on you at lunch to go over the rest of that with your husband, okay? So we're going to shift now, and we're going to talk about what it might look like for a husband to be respected by his wife. What's it, what's it look like for a wife to strongly support her husband? One of the things that I think is hardwired into most men is a desire to conquer the world. And closely tied to that desire is a question that many boys and many men secretly ask themselves. The question is this, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to be a man? Do I have what it takes to take on the world? Do I have what it takes to provide for my family? Do I have what it takes to protect my family? Do I have what it takes uh, to go out there in life and to make an impact, not, not just a, a, a small career, but to make a lasting impact? Do I have what it takes to dream some big dreams and then accomplish those dreams? Now, I think many women ask the same questions, but I think we're wired slightly differently on this one. Um, some of the the secret questions that women ask are usually related to relationships. Questions like, am I captivating? Am I lovely? Am I worth pursuing? Am I worth being in a relationship with? Usually they're, they're relationship-driven questions. But for men, they're usually, uh, th- that question is usually driven by a task or an achievement, and it's driven by this, this question that, that men ask, that, had, that they have this little boy standing inside of them, like almost shaking at times, asking, do I have what it takes? I'm not sure. Do I have what it takes to take on the world? And ladies, you can help answer that question. Just like you want to be reassured of your husband's love for you, Your husband wants to be reassured that you think he has what it takes. You think he has what it takes to succeed at work, to succeed at home, to be the spiritual leader that God wants him to be. He wants to know that you are standing behind him saying, I think you have what it takes. I believe in you. So find as many ways as possible to answer that question that your man is asking. Another way to communicate respect to your husband is to appreciate his desire to succeed at work. That desire, I think, is a God-given desire. Uh, Many men feel this internal drive. There's this internal pressure that we feel. Like, I need to provide for my family. And so we go out and work. And often we go out and work hard, and often we go out and work way too hard. 
And many of us end up workaholics and we get it way out of balance and we try to find too much of our identity from what we do at work and, and we, get it, it get, we get it kind of messy and kind of wrong, but I think the internal drive is a God-given right drive, that desire to succeed at work and to provide. And so ladies, you can appreciate your man's desire for that. You can, you can come alongside him and say, thank you, I appreciate your desire to provide for us. I appreciate all that you do to strongly support our family. You'd be um, amazed at how much life that would speak to a man. When he came home from work and you said, thank you for all that you do for our family. Thank you for providing. Thank you for helping to provide. Thank you for the way that you contribute to what we're doing and trying to do as a family. It would mean the world to your man. Now, The last thing that I want to highlight today is uh, why we gave the disclaimer earlier, okay? So a final way to strongly support your husband is to understand what sexual intimacy means to him, all right? So ladies, understand what sexual intimacy means to your man. And and I ask you to hear me out on this one. There's a a lot of uh, bad information out there in our world about this. And I think we get it wrong in the church world often as well. And so I think there's some critical information for us to understand on this sensitive subject. Now, too often women think all that men ever think about is sex. All that men ever want is sex. And that's not necessarily true. There are moments that my wife comes to me and initiates intimacy. And I say, what do you just think? I'm a piece of meat? (laughs) I mean... I mean, really. I mean, I have emotions. And, and I would like to be connected with on an emotional level. So would you just hold me tonight? And you're laughing because you know that I've never said that to my wife. So what I have said to my wife is, anytime you'd like to be intimate, you let me know. You wake me up in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., you can call me in the middle of the day from work. I mean, I don't care. I'll, I'll move you know, heaven and earth to, uh, to fulfill any need that you have in that department. So, ladies, men think about sex way more than, than women do, all right? So we get that. We understand that. But here's what many people don't understand that's going on behind a man's desire for intimacy. Get this. This is critical. For men, sexual intimacy often leads to an emotional connection. You know that thing that you desire deeply as a woman? That emotional connection? For a man, he's looking for it too. He just comes at it from a different direction. And for women, we understand that you're a little opposite in that. God wired you a little bit differently. And an emotional connection for women can lead to intimacy. So God wired men and women very differently on this. And hiding in that wiring is God's plan for both of us to get the emotional connection that we need. Not just what we want but that we need. And I think that's part of why God wired us the way that he did, so that men and women could experience a deeper emotional connection that can be initiated through marital sex. I think that's part of what God meant in verse 31 when he said, and the two are united into one. Now again, do we get this all messed up? Yes. Does our world talk about a different message? Yes, does our world like, offer a, a different goal when it comes to intimacy? Yes. But I truly believe a man that wants to honor God and honor his wife 
when he, when he looks at that emotional connection that he can have with her, the door that, that opens that is physical intimacy, sexual intimacy. So ladies, your man has a desire for intimacy with you and it's way deeper than the act of sex. It's way deeper than that. It has everything to do with his desire to connect with you on an emotional level. Now guys, your wives are wired differently. Our wives are wired differently by our God. And so they, they need that emotional connection to open up that intimacy door. So understand that. And if we can understand that our role is to strongly support each other in our marriages, then we will do anything and everything to help meet both our spouse's physical and emotional needs. We'll say, listen, I'll, I'll do whatever. I'll be more than willing to serve you in this. I'll be more than willing to strongly support you because I understand how God has wired you. And again, guess where it leads? To the same place. So ladies, reassure your husband that he has what it takes. Appreciate his desire to achieve, to succeed, to provide, and know that intimacy is a great way to get the emotional connection that you both desire. Now, I'm gonna wrap up with a challenge for all of us, and it's the same challenge, whether you're a man or a woman. The challenge is this. Someone has to go first. Someone has to take the initiative towards their spouse. Someone has to say, you know what? I may not know how to, to meet my, my spouse's emotional needs or my spouse's physical needs. I may not even want to, but I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna take a step in the direction of my spouse. I'm gonna learn how my wife wants to be loved. I'm gonna learn how my husband wants to be respected. I'm gonna learn what it looks like to reassure my wife on a daily basis. I'm gonna, I'm gonna discover whatever I can of what it means for my husband to feel respected by me. Again, someone must go first. And God wants you to be that person. In my marriage, God wants me to be the person who goes first. So there's several great ways that you can go first. One is to sign up for the Weekend to Remember conference that you heard about in the announcements. Again, Tim told you it's $250, and there's a way that we're gonna throw in $50 for those who go. Um, we would love to strongly support you in your marriage. And this conference can really help. It's helped my marriage at a time where we needed it. So I, I encourage you. Whether your marriage is in a good place or a not so good place, sign up for that and, uh, and go. You'll be amazed at what can happen at just a weekend focused on your marriage. Another great way to go first is to sit down and have a conversation with your spouse later today or later this week. So guys, just ask your wife, how can I strongly support you? What does it look like to you for me to love you? Like, Give me some practical tools. How can I love you the best? How do you receive that as love? What, what specific things do you receive as being loving? And then ladies, ask your husband. Say, what does it look like for me to, to respect you? Like, what do you want to hear? Like, what, what, would that, what would that mean to you? And look for some practical things that could help answer that for you. And then do what they say. Don't just hear them. Do what they say. Take a step and do what they're asking. Now, to help with those conversations, uh, I've got some book recommendations for you. These are some books that my wife and I have read to strongly support each other. 
in our marriage. So the first one is called For Men Only, a straightforward guide to the inner lives of women. And guys, let me show you this really cool thing in here. It has a quick start guide. Like, wow, look at this. Don't tell your wife this, but here's the summary of the book right there. Man, read that and you will look like you read the whole thing. It's awesome. Now there's a, that's cheating. I didn't say that. That's wrong. Your wife wouldn't like that. All right, so there's another one in this series called For Men or For Women Only What You Need to Know About the Inner Lives of Men. Uh, Another book is called Love and Respect The Love That She Most Desires, The Respect He Desperately Needs. It's based upon this chapter in Ephesians chapter 5 that we're looking at today. And then, if your marriage is in a really bad place, then the two books I recommend are by Gary Smalley called Winning Your Husband Wife, Winning Your Husband Back, sorry before it's too late, and winning your wife back before it's too late. Great uh, resources for you to grab and, and read and process together with your spouse if your marriage is in a rough spot. So I've listed all of these resources at our Connection Center. Uh, it's on our Spiritual Growth Challenge. So if you didn't catch those, you can pick up a copy of that today, or you can download it from our website later today as well. God wants to help us have great marriages that represent him to the world. And that happens when we learn how to strongly support each other. It comes through that thing called mutual submission. Now, next week, we are going to wrap up our marriage series in a really special way. Um, We're going to do something we've never done before. And who knows, after next week, we may never do it again. Uh, So I encourage you to come back for that. I'm going to pray, and then our worship team is going to come out and close us out in song. So let's pray together. God, I am super grateful for the clarity that you provide to us in Scripture uh, related to husbands and wives. One of the most difficult relationships that we could ever be in is this thing called marriage. And yet, God, um, it's the relationship that most models our relationship with you to the world. And so you've given us some incredible resources in Scripture so that we can get this right. So, Lord, I pray for all of us, myself included, Lord, that we husbands would understand what it means to love our wives so much we're willing to die for them. And Lord, I pray that you would communicate to the wives that are here, the women that are here, what it means to love our our husbands so much that we have such a connection with this respect word that we will do everything we can to respect the men in our lives. Lord, teach us how to do that, I pray. Give us the strength that we need to do that as we take a step of faith and move in your direction. In Jesus' name, amen. My father, you know, he was a hard worker. He took care of the home. And so that was my, that was my model, that the man was to go out, you know, make the money, bring the food home. You know, a woman cooks it and all was happy. The first year was terrible for us. Both of us um, um, did everything we could to end the marriage. More and more, I kept wondering, how are we going to get out of this here? Not how we was going to make it, but how are we going to get out of it? I was very, very independent, and I couldn't understand why I could not just continue as I was. You know, I wasn't happy with his leadership him wanting to take leadership. And it was just a lot of confusion, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt that we deliberately tried to 
do things to one another to sabotage the marriage. We began to see that what we were doing was very destructive. It wasn't very pleasing to God at all. And we began to learn the blueprint for marriage. And then we came to our first weekend to remember conference. The one thing that, that stuck out my mind, that this is God's gift to you. Mm -hmm. And you're rejecting God when you're rejecting her. It did give us the tools yes, it did. to say, this is what you do. This is how you, this is how you do it. Right. And from the beginning, I didn't have those tools. I thought I did. I thought I knew. I began to have a desire to um, listen to my husband, to um, want to be a part of the marriage before I didn't, after the marriage. After getting married, I didn't want to be married. This will give you a reality check. It's a wake-up call. And the reality is, marriage is not easy. It's important to know that there's hope. Mm. There is hope that if you trust God and apply His principles to your life, your life will be forever better. I love what he said. We've been given a great gift. So in two weeks is the event from March 13th through the 15th. It begins on a Friday night, and so it's not too late to register. If you are interested in registering for that event, uh, please see Nathan Gilliam back at the table next to the tech booth. Uh, there's a way to reduce the cost from $250 to $200, and so we would love for everyone to be able to go uh, to that conference that's coming up in two weeks. Well, my name is Tim Jones, and I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. If you are new, we would love to meet you, and so please stop by our Connection Center. If you have any answers or would like more information about Epic, uh, we have some people there who would love to be able to help you out with that. Now, yesterday, 66 of you uh, braved the cold weather and the rain to go out and pick citrus and to pick broccoli. They did an amazing job. Yeah, give it up. So... Let me give you a stat. So 66 people ended up picking two tons worth of broccoli and oranges and citrus and stuff. So that's 4,000 pounds yesterday. Uh, yeah, so yeah, let's celebrate that. And so most of that uh, produce actually went to our neighboring Grace Community Food Pantry right here in Flagler County. And they were at a point where they were not having enough produce to be able to hand out and to be able to give families that were in need. And so it was kind of like in the nick of time that we were able to supply and restock them with that. And so that's an amazing thing. And then some of it also went to northeastern Florida as well to some of the uh, food pantries up there. And so it was an amazing time. You guys did a great job. So thank you so much for being for Flagler uh, for our county. And uh, this Saturday, we have another event. Uh, it's a family-friendly event. Epic Kids is putting on a drive-in movie. And so you're not actually going to bring your cars into Buddy Taylor. Uh, you're going to be making cars. And so there will be a car-building contest. They'll have all the supplies for you. It's going to be a great time where there's popcorn. Bring your chairs. Bring blankets. It's going to be right here at 530 on Saturday. If you have not signed up yet, please see me in the back next to the tech table at the table. And please sign up so that we can get a of how many people are coming out, bring f friends and family members to it. It's a great event to be able to do that, and we'll have a good time of watching movies with our kids. Um, 
And then, let's see, another way that we can impact our community is through giving. So if you call Epic Home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through the giving boxes located at the end of each section or online at theepicchurch.com. Now, next Saturday is also spring forward. So that's the you know one I don't like where you have to move your clock forward. Uh, so if you're in the first service and you don't do that next Saturday, you will actually be in time for the second service. You'll be really on time for the second service. So just wanted to remind you that that's happening next weekend uh, so that you can turn your clocks ahead. Well, today we are continuing in our series, uh, I Still Do, and so we want you to sit back and enjoy the rest of the service.